This um, lovely story, really, of uh, this royal official whose son is ill, uh, and he meets Jesus in Cana in Galilee. He's not from Cana, he's from Capernaum. And um, Capernaum is about, I've got it written down somewhere, about 20 miles from Cana, okay, 20 miles away, and he walked it 30 kilometers away. So that just gives you a bit of a, a kind of idea of the geography, because it, it does kind of figure a little bit. I want to ask you a question. How do you honour a prophet? You, um, the other week, we were in the Mary, in saint Christol d'Alès, I think, des Alès, saint Christol des Alès, um, and we met the mayor. Uh, he was a very nice man. I liked him a lot. And I thought, you have to say, Monsieur le Maire, if you talk to him. Monsieur le Maire, it's what you do. Um, if you meet Monsieur Juppé, you'll say, Monsieur le Maire, it's what you do. If ever you're up in court, Monsieur le Juge. Um, it's not like in Britain, you say Your Honour. Um, it's Monsieur le Juge, I think. Um, not that I've been up in court in France, but you know, uh, I'm prepared if ever I have to do that. Um, there are certain forms of address that you use to honour people. If you ever you meet the Queen, um, you say uh, Your Majesty. Sometimes you say Ma'am after, you, after you've said Your Majesty. Uh, if you meet the President of the Republic, you say Manu. No, you don't. You say uh, Monsieur le Président. You don't say Manu. You will appear in the newspapers if you do. Um, um, so we know how to honour people, don't we, with particular roles. But how do you honour a prophet? You know, in, in um, some uh, countries, there are etiquette books. You know, you, you can look up how to address the President. Actually, in France, just look in the newspaper. You know, you'll find out how to address someone. How do you address a president? How do you write to an archbishop? How do you write to the mairie? How do you do this? Well, how do you honour a prophet? Do you advertise? The prophet is coming to town. Uh, do you publicise? How do you address him? How do you honour a prophet? And how do you honour Jesus Christ? Jesus says this interesting thing, or, or rather John says this interesting thing um, that Jesus has pointed out in verse 44. Uh, Jesus is going back to his own uh, area, to Galilee, and he says, um, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country. That's interesting, isn't it? How do you honour a prophet? I'm not going to answer that question now. I'll just let that stew away in the back of your mind. Just have in your mind, how do you honour a prophet? If you know someone speaks from God, that's what a prophet is. A prophet is someone who speaks from God. Yeah? What the prophet says, God says. How do you honour a prophet in that case? Well, these people, um, how did they honour Jesus? Um, Did they give him a kind of political welcome? Like, they, they welcomed him uh, because he'd been in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is down in the south. Galilee's up in the north. Uh, in many countries, there's a north-south divide. There is in France, yeah? Uh, we all think in the south that the people in the north don't understand the south. And doubtless the people in the north think the people in the south don't understand the north. And there is a kind of cultural difference, isn't there, between the south and the north. And it was the same in Jesus' day. Was there a kind of some kind of dodgy political kind of welcome. Um, uh, here he is, 
back in the north where he belongs, where we all talk uh, like we should. Uh, one in the eye for the government, one in the eye for the Romans is back in the north. Did they, um, did they, were they excited because they thought, well, now we will see something worth seeing. Because Jesus, last time he was there, he'd rescued a wedding by turning water into wine. There was not enough wine, not for them. A couple of litres of wine left over. No, there was not enough wine. They ran out. People had nothing to drink. And so Jesus rescued the wedding by turning water into wine. No one saw him do it. No one saw him do that. But doubtless the story had gone round that Jesus had done this. And he'd performed other miracles too. Look, they'd seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival. So they'd seen other things that Jesus had done. Maybe they were looking forward to a good show. Well, Jesus doesn't want to play that game, does he? Look at what he says. Um, verse 48. Unless you people... The NIV is very good here. It's preserved the plural of what Jesus says. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Jesus says, you people here, you have an unquenchable thirst for the spectacular. Yeah? An unquenchable thirst for the spectacular. Um, you need to see bizarre and weird and inexplicable things, says Jesus. It, it reminds us that people are very gullible, aren't they? Um, I was talking to someone the other day, I can't remember who or where now, but I was talking about Mormonism with someone. Uh, if anyone remembers the, talking about that with me, it was you. Um, <laughs> um, and um, Mormonism is a very strange set of beliefs. I had the privilege of visiting the Mormon temple in Preston because they built a new temple in the north of England in a town called Preston. And my friend and I, we said, hey, let's go and see it. It was open to the public before it was consecrated. And so you go to this place. We had to queue up. There were loads of people who wanted to go and, go and see it. And um, before you go in, they give you little plastic booties to put over your shoes because you mustn't dirty the carpets. And I thought, well, this is a bit excessive. I mean, we, we don't do that when we come to our house. It's not a big problem, is it? Actually, we have started doing that, haven't we? Yeah, anyway, we'll leave that aside. Um, and so we were walking around, and a Mormon temple is very strange because there's no big meeting room. It's not like a church or a, a Christian building. There's little offices. And they said, now, this is the room where you go to get your wedding sealed for all eternity. They do a ceremony in there, and you and your wife will, will be together for all eternity. If we do this ceremony, if we don't do this ceremony, nothing can be guaranteed, you know? Who knows what will happen? But if we do this ceremony, you'll be together for all eternity. And so there were, there were all kinds of little rooms like that where they did different ceremonies that had different effects, apparently. There was a baptistry. It was massive. It must have been made of fiberglass. Semicircular, hemispherical baptistry on the back of three cows. I, I, I kid you not. I thought, whoa. And there was this, it was enormous. And there was this kind of bridge, aluminium bridge that went across to it with computers. It looked like um, uh, 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 some strange um, scene from a kind of occult science fiction film. It really did. You wondered what kind of spaceship you were in. 
And doubtless then people, you know in Mormonism you get baptised for the dead and you kind of can look on computer records to find your ancestors who were not baptised for, nobody's been baptised for them, and so you go in the pool and you get baptised in the name of Auntie Ethel who died 50 years ago or whatever. This is what they do. As I said, it's rather odd. Uh, right at the top of the temple is the reason you wear the plastic booties. You go into what they call the celestial room. The celestial room is like, like JR's living room out of Dallas. You know, it's like um, a film star's lounge. Beautiful sofas, you mustn't sit down. White carpet, stained glass window, flower arrangements. It was, it was quite something. And that is meant to make you think of what it would be like to be in heaven. And I thought, but heaven isn't like that. Heaven is crowd scenes, you know. Heaven is, is uh, uh, countless people singing the praises of God. Heaven is, is the glory of Jesus Christ filling the place. It's not white sofas and, and a white carpet, you know. Who dreams of that for eternity? You know, hoovering a white carpet forever. I, I, I'd rather not, you know. Um, so the whole experience was rather odd. Um, but people believe Mormonism. They believe that. They believe it. Because people are gullible. Um, in the UK we have soap operas. And I tell you no lie. Uh, soap operas, you know, uh, series on television that go through people's lives. And sometimes when people on the television are ill, folks send them flowers. Now these are characters in soap operas. They do not exist. They're played by actors. But people send flowers to the hospital because they believe the characters are real. This is true. Is it not true? Confirm it, British people. Yes, this is true. People are very gullible, you know. Um, that's what it's like. Well, here are these people, and they're saying to Jesus, give us a sign, you know, do something, give us a show. We want bread and circuses. You know, you've, you've fed multitudes. Give us shows, bread and circuses. That's what life is about, isn't it? Um, and Jesus doesn't want to play that game. Now, I sometimes wonder how much we in our Christian lives, are a bit like that, you know? God, show me that you've answered my prayer. God, as someone asked me earlier, when we are not many on a Sunday night, I said we won't be many this, this evening because it's the end of the holidays and folks uh, are away and it's the GBU weekend and they won't be back yet and things like that. Uh, they said, when it's not many people, are you fed up? I said, no, I'm relieved. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes we want to be in a crowd, don't we? We think it's important to be numerous uh, and for the singing to be good and for us to have a good time and for us to go home saying, yeah, we had a good time. And I think, yeah, but to what end? You know, what, where is that taking us? Now, here is Jesus and he's got an issue with the Galilean crowd. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus said to this man, you will never believe. Now listen to what the royal official said. He says, Sir, come down before my child dies. Now I think this is really helpful for us. Here is this guy and his child is ill. His child is dying. And he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and he's not messing about. It's not just I want to see stuff. It's not just I want, to, I want something interesting, you know? He's not interested in bread and circuses, is he? 
He cares about his child. He says, my child is dying. This is, this is real. You know? Uh, he's coming to Jesus with his real problem. And in fact, the way that it's written is really hard to put in English. Well, it's not that hard, actually, but it doesn't, it, it's not good English. What he says to Jesus is, come, my son will die. Come, my son will die. It's really urgent. Come, my son will die. When I became a Christian, my beliefs about Jesus didn't change at all. You know, I've been brought up to believe the right things. I'm glad of that. It's good. But what happened was, it became real. It became real. I came to the point where I said, look God, if you don't do something in my life, I'll die. I'll die. Worse than that, I'll die and I'll go to hell. It's as serious as that. This isn't a joke. I really need you to save me. And that's what this man is like. Come, my son will die. Now that, Jesus responds to. It's not real. Um, It's not just a joke. It's not just fun. It's not just a show. It's something real. Come, my son will die. It's a cry of desperation. Yeah? And Jesus' reply is really interesting. Look, this is really well, this is straightforward uh, in the translation. Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. And it really is like that. The guy says, come, my son will die. And Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. Remarkable, isn't it? What's the guy going to do? Because that is where the rubber hits the road. That is where you find out whether it's real or not. What is the guy going to do? What is his response to Jesus? Now this guy, he didn't need Jesus present. He didn't need Jesus to say words. He didn't need Jesus to send something or to touch his son. He just heard, go, your son will live. And he thought, it's good enough for me. And he went. Now, um, I said it's 20 miles, 30 kilometers. Um, how long does it take you to walk 20 miles? Anyone walk 20 miles recently? We don't do that kind of thing, do we? Um, have you? How, how long did it take you to run 20 miles? About five and a half hours. Five and a half hours at a run? Okay. Well, this guy is walking it. So we can assume that it's going to take him perhaps at least five hours and probably longer. Yeah? A brisk march is about four miles an hour, four or five miles an hour. So even if he's um, a brisk marcher, um, it's going to take him five or six hours. Yeah? Um, to get there. All the time, his mind is on his son. And the fact that Jesus said, go, your son will live. Go, your son will live. And before he gets home, Thankfully, uh, someone comes uh, to bring him the news. He's okay. He's okay. Um, It's a lovely picture, actually. Here is this lad, and he's ill, and people are looking after him. And then all of a sudden, he's better. All of a sudden, he's better. And the guy says, "Well, well, what time did he get better? 
And they said, well, it was about one in the afternoon. Now, the guy, doubtless, he'd, he'd noted the time. I would imagine he noted the time because he had a long journey to, to walk, you know. Uh, when I have any kind of distance to walk, I kind of think, am I going to get there before night? Am I going to have to stay over overnight? You know, what am I going to leave? Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like that, isn't it? You note the time uh, when you're leaving. And he noted that it was exactly the time when Jesus said, go your son will live. That's when the fever left him. The man took him at his word. He took Jesus at his word. Now, for you and me today, um, I said earlier, Bordeaux Church is committed to helping you to find faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? That, that is what we're about. That is what we want for you, individually. We want you to trust in Jesus for yourself, okay? That, that is why we're here, all of us. Well, what does that mean for you? Well, here is an example for you to learn from. The first thing, take Jesus at his word. Take Jesus at his word. Yeah? Listen to what he says to you and take him seriously. We don't see him. He's here, but not physically. But we can take him at his word. He speaks to us through his word, and we can take him at his word. All right? Take Jesus seriously. And then the second thing is simply this. Respond to him. Do what he says. Do what he says. Go, your son will live. The guy goes. My son will live. I'm off. Where are you going? I'm going to see my son. My son will live. And so he's off. Do what Jesus says. It's, it's the biggest sign that you believe someone, isn't it? You know, I go to the doctor. The doctor says, Alan, you know, you need to take these pills. Uh, do I believe the doctor? How will you know? Well, if I take the pills. Doctor says, you've got to cut out sugar from your diet entirely. Do I believe the doctor? How will you know if I cut out sugar? It's, it's, it's not rocket science, is it? It's fairly obvious. When we believe in Jesus, we do what he says. He tells us what to do, we do what he says. And so the man goes home. Go, your son will live. So he goes. Meanwhile at home, one o'clock, someone's nursing the lad. They go for more water, mop him down, keep him cool. They come back to the bed. He's full of beans. What happened? All of a sudden he's better. And uh, they run off to tell his father, and the father's on his way home. And they say, what time was it? One o'clock. They believed. And look, um, the guy gets home and says, um, uh, it's, when, it's exactly when Jesus said, go, your son will live. And so he and all his household believed. Now, I know this is complicated because I was the first person in my family to, that I know of to come to faith in Jesus Christ, yeah? And um, I don't know whether anyone else came to faith afterwards, in, of my family, you know, my side of the family. Uh, same with, with my wife. Um, some of, one, of, one of her brothers may be a Christian, another sister. Um, it's complicated, isn't it? It's not automatic. You can't automatically take it that if you're a parent, your kids will believe. Uh, this last week I was at a missionary conference 
And one of the things that's an issue for some of the missionaries is their kids who don't believe. They don't believe. They don't believe the gospel. They were brought up in, in homes devoted to helping people believe, and their, their own kids don't. You think, how do I process that? You know, what do I do with that? Where do I go with that? Well, we go to Jesus, don't we? Um, say, look, come, my kids don't believe. So it's not, it's not automatic that your household will believe, but everyone will see. Everyone will see the change when you believe in Jesus Christ. Everyone will see it. Sometimes that provokes little problems, sometimes big problems. But that response is invisible when people believe in Jesus Christ. Take him at his word and do what he says. I think you can see that that's what faith means in this passage. Took Jesus at his word, did what he said. And I think you can see that that's reasonable. I mean, how could you say that you believe in Jesus Christ if you don't take him at his word and do what he says? Now listen, maybe for some of you, you are sat there thinking, well, I don't take Jesus at his word. And I don't do what Jesus says. And does that mean Alan is telling me I'm not a Christian? Well, Alan is inviting you to consider the possibility. And I don't mean that to be nasty. You know, the finest thing anyone ever did for me was make me realize I wasn't a Christian. I thought I was all along. And then the day came when I thought, these people, they're real Christians. They take Jesus at his word and they do what he says. I don't do that. I'm in big trouble. Because I thought I was a Christian and I'm not. I bless God. I thank God for the day I realised I wasn't a Christian. And so if I say to you, please consider the possibility that you're not really a Christian at all. I, I'm not being nasty. I think we all need to do that. We all need to consider whether we take Jesus at his word and do what he says. It's not a bad thing to do, is it? It's a good thing to do. Especially if it makes you realise, do you know? I'm not really someone who believes in Jesus at all. And I need to be. I need to take Jesus at his word and begin to do what he says. I need to have him as my Lord and my Saviour. I need to have him as the authority in my life. I need to have him as my God and my king. That's what I need. I need a saviour. I need Jesus. I need to stop being the boss of my own life and give my life over to him. For him to rule and to guide and to, to direct. If that's the case with you, thank God. Thank God. If you realise I'm not really a Christian at all, thank God. Lots of people go through life thinking they're Christians and they're not. For one reason or another. Thank God. If God shows to you that you're not really a Christian at all. Thank him. But don't leave it there. <laughs> don't stay there. Trust Jesus Christ for yourself. You need to. You have to. Uh, it's desperate. If you don't do that. You, you're in a desperate situation. Aren't you? This man. Was desperate. He said. Come, my son will die. 
Jesus says, go, your son will live. May there be people here tonight, uh, maybe me, who says to the Lord Jesus Christ, come to me or I'll die. And Jesus says, it's okay. I'm yours. You'll live. Let's bow in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this evening. And we so thank you for this man and for his faith. Uh, we, we aren't saying that because he had an, uh, an amazing and miraculous and wonderful faith. Although all faith is amazing, miraculous and wonderful. But just because he responded to what Jesus said. He came in his desperation to Jesus and said, come, my son will die. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And he believed him. Help us to believe Jesus Christ, we pray. And to take him at his word and to do what he says. We ask it for Jesus' sake, because we too need to live. Amen. Um, next song, Mighty to Save. We'll stand to sing Mighty to Save. Everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of, the kindness of a saviour. The hope of nations. We'll stand to sing. <laughs>